As 2014 wraps up and we look ahead to 2015, what should covered entities and business associates be paying the most attention to when it comes to health data privacy and security matters? I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking to healthcare and privacy attorneys Donna Freish and Elisa Chesler of law firm Baker Donaldson. Donna and Elisa will be discussing some recent developments related to HIPAA, as well as an outlook for what covered entities and BAs should be watching for in 2015 when it comes to health data privacy and security. Hi, Donna. Hi, Elisa. Hello. How are you today, Marianne? Thank you so very much for having us. Yeah, it's a real pleasure, and we look forward to this conversation. Thanks. Now, for starters, the Department of Health and Human Services Office for Civil Rights recently issued a new HIPAA guidance related to Ebola. HHS also just recently designated about three dozen U.S. hospitals as Ebola treatment centers. So, Donna, what's the most significant thing about this new guidance? And has anything changed from previous HIPAA guidance when it comes to public health emergencies? For instance, even if you're not a covered entity that is designated to deal with Ebola, what's the most significant thing that you should take away from this guidance if you are a covered entity? Well, let me just back up for just a minute before I actually answer the question and start by saying that the introduction of Ebola into the United States. Really created a media frenzy. I was almost unprecedented in terms of other kinds of bird flu virus concerns and that sort of thing. And so, because Ebola created this heightened awareness and with 24-hour news cycles, it seemed that everybody wanted to know absolutely everything because it affected all kinds of industries and not just health workers. So, at the time. That we're talking now, the time of the airing of,、uh, of this podcast, the Ebola incident may seem to be on the downside. In Africa, there are fewer cases being reported, and it's practically non-existent in the United States. Although every day there's a potential scare, this could be yet another person that could potentially have Ebola that presented at some or another, perhaps one of these specially designated treatment centers. So I think that we're not over the quote-unquote crisis yet. But I believe that as a result of this crisis, there was a need at the federal level to try to, to create some sense of urgency about coordinating the response. And so we got this unusual, frankly,、uh, OCR bulletin guide, as it were. Really doesn't change much, if anything. The regulations are as the regulations were. This doesn't change anything. It, in some sense. Tends to tell providers, as it were, a covered entity, you know, be it health plans or whatever covered entity, that you still have a requirement under HIPAA to protect protected health information, and there are a few exceptions to that. And of course, the fines for violating HIPAA are significant. So the Office of Civil Rights issued this guidance in November and made it pretty clear and defined. Once again, what is individually identifiable health information, and then release that in emergency situations. And HIPAA, at least in the fall of 2014, was pretty much a national emergency crisis kind of situation. And if there's a declaration of a public health emergency by the president or by the secretary, then there may be some exceptions that could apply to the breadth of these of very very strict provisions of. What you can say about whom, under what circumstances, and when, if you don't have a fully 
expressive written consent to do so. But sharing information that is of a public health nature to public health entities like the CDC, NIH, the police department, for example, who have sort of a necessary right to know so that they can protect other potential victims of a disease or potential family members or others that may or may not have come in contact, I think that's what they were trying to stress. And, of course, with all the media frenzy, you know, people like me said, oh, my goodness, how in heaven's name is the media getting access to this much detailed information that we in the healthcare industry have always felt to be HIPAA protected and how did they get that? How did they know who this person was and everything about this person? And I'll stop there because Lisa is our in-office, as it were, HIPAA expert. Have I pretty much stated it pretty well in terms of what this bulletin has meant to us in the industry? Absolutely. I think what's great about the bulletin, too, is that it solidifies what those of us who have been doing HIPAA for years have known. It is a nice, very concise restatement that in the case of a public health emergency, that covered entities have certain responsibilities to not only protect the information of that particular patient, but in certain circumstances, to pass that information along, whether it's to CDC or another public government entity, and also potentially in certain limited circumstances, ensure the health of others that may have been affected by the illness or injury in question. I would say that there's no significant change, but we're all very pretty much grateful for the Office of Civil Rights for issuing this guidance to reestablish what was already known or should have been known. Now, Elisa, when it comes to HIPAA, what sorts of new or ramped up enforcement actions should business associates and covered entities be preparing for for next year? Well, if any of your listeners are not aware that starting in 2015, we are now going to have many more affirmative audits for no other reason than being chosen on a, a random basis. And those audits are now going to result in enforcement actions. I can say that fairly strongly because OCR has said that. In the previous round of audits, it was really used as a tool to think about and identify and to get a current state of affairs as it related only to those covered entities. In this round, we are going to see, again, not just the covered entities, but the business associates ask for information. They're going to be asked for very robust and detailed information. And there are likely going to be enforcement actions at a much more regular pace than we have seen in the past. So as I counsel my clients now, what I say to them is you should be internally doing your own mock audits to determine where you may have exposure and to do your best to remediate those exposures prior to any sort of audit from the government. And let me just add that Alicia has been working very, very diligently right now with our provider clients to look at their policies and procedures and to suggest to them 
that they do mock surveys, in effect, that they pretend that there is some kind of audit going on so that they will have everything in place in one place that they can put together so they can show that they have fully educated all of the different departments about HIPAA compliance, that they have reviewed all their business associate agreements to make sure that they're up to date, that they include the latest high-tech provisions as well, that they are cybersecurity sensitive, for lack of a better description. I mean, we keep hearing this in all industries right now. There are concerns about data breaches. There are reactions to this in Congress at the moment. And it's important that our clients and that your listeners understand and be aware that the only way to be able to enforce serious compliance is to have these spot checks available. And it could be you that could be, as it were, the entity that would be spot checked. So it's important that you get ahead of it and get all of your policies and procedures, your contracts reviewed, and everything in one place at one time. And, and do a pretend, a mock-up of a survey to make sure that, that you actually have what you need. And I will also note that the mock audits that we're doing now are not the same as the mock audits that we were necessarily doing a year ago. We now ask questions about bring your own device policies and procedures in a way that we weren't doing, say, a year or two ago. So not all mock audits are created equal, and focus clearly should be on some of those more advanced and newer security issues that continue to develop in our field. It's been more than a year since HIPAA Omnibus went into effect. What's giving covered entities and business associates the most compliance trouble at this point? And what weaknesses do they tend to have overall that they really need to address as we move into a new year? I would say that we still struggle much of the time with those relationships between covered entities and their business associates, having a good grasp and universal understanding of how and when they are creating, receiving, transmitting, and or maintaining protected information. We see the complexity of the American healthcare system developing in such a way that the relationships are no longer stagnant. And while a particular relationship may start off with one set of parameters, they evolve more organically, and you find yourself many years later with not really realizing or having the CISO or technology people not really understanding how that evolution has taken place. So I really do also always remind and focus clients, regardless of whether they're a covered entity or a business associate, to do that evaluation on an annual basis to make sure that through their more regular change management process, nothing was omitted and that they have a very robust set of understanding of those relationships. One of the best cases, I think, to illustrate that is the case that we saw earlier this year and the research relationship that was between the two hospitals in New York City. In that instance, as you are probably aware, 
we had a situation in which there was a shared researcher. And when that researcher no longer needed access to a particular server, it was improperly shut down and closed down, which exposed sensitive patient information. So again, as it goes into the trouble that we get into, I would say that much of the time it is certainly related to having a very robust and full understanding of all those relationships we either are going to enter into or have entered into in the past. When it comes to these relationships and the biggest relationship, I guess, for covered entities when it comes to HIPAA is with business associates. Do you think that OCR will begin to crack down on business associates for noncompliance issues? OCR has said it would. We haven't really seen that yet. What do you expect in 2015? I believe that we will see greater attention to certain business associates. What I think will be most interesting when we do see our first enforcement action, whether that's in 2015 or possibly in 2016, whether or not that business associate will be one of the larger entities out there that are providing, say, data hosting services or other more robust and complex services than some of the smaller vendors that we see out there from time to time. I think the focus will continue. My understanding is that in the audits that we expect in 2015, that the covered entities need to be prepared to hand over a robust list of business associates and evidence that each of those business associates has a high-tech compliant agreement in place and whether or not there are exposures with that particular business associate may or may not be focused first on the contractual aspect and more second if a particular business associate causes some sort of a breach. I agree. I don't have a crystal ball, and I think that Elise is in a much better position to sort of focus on where the highest risk entities may lie, and certainly in the commercial arena where you are paying high-powered professional uh, computer experts to host this kind of protected information. That's where you would think that if you were a surveyor or an auditor from OCR, if you were doing some uh, compliance and enforcement review, that might be the first target because they should know better. They would have the resources to be able to ramp up and protect that information first and foremost. And again, it harkens back to the media reports of you know, of the crackdown on everything from uh, retail operations to banks and when did you know that there was a breach and and uh, when should you have reported to consumers that there was this breach. And I think that's what may be guiding some of this response from a regulatory standpoint. In the same way that when we started the discussion, we talked about these bulletins being issued to address, you know, the media uh, outbreaks of this kind of uh, protected health information news and information. It just creates much, much more awareness on the part of government to try to coordinate through different agencies a response. And I think we'll see this very much. I think 2015 is going to be the year for privacy attention and see that, I think, abound. And Ebola is just another example of where there will be additional, I think, uh, concerns. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Elisa. I've been speaking to attorneys Donna Freish and Elisa Chestler, I'm Marianne Kobasek-Begee of Information Security Media Group. 
Thanks for listening.